0: The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We are uh, in a a mini-series called Songs in the Key of Luke, inspired by one of my favorite uh, pop artists, Stevie Wonder. And um, today, I wanna wanna talk about uh, how does the Holy Spirit birth a song? How does the Holy Spirit birth a song? The Bible is filled with uh, encouragement for us to sing. The Bible is filled with singers and singing the song of the Lord, and, we, and, it, and it's always good to sing the song of the Lord, always good to ha- make melody in your heart to the Lord, and, and we're, we're gonna talk about that, and next week we're actually gonna look at a song that the church sang, but we're also using singing as a metaphor uh, for you and I discovering our gifts, our talents, our gifts that the Holy Spirit puts in us, and not just keeping them in us, but uh, using them, and, and when we think about gifts being used, sadly, a lot of times we think about being at a church service, and it's almost like uh, it's sort of like the David Letterman show or uh, the Jimmy Fallon show. And we come and we sit in our seat, and the and the people that they do the thing on the platform, and we say we well, had a great church service. That's not really the church. Ser- the church service is what we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, that, that's the church service. The servants of the church using your gifts. In the world and in the church uh, as a full expression that that does great things for God. That's how I want you to look at this. Um, God the Holy Spirit longs to birth an environment where creativity blossoms in each one of our souls. I love to listen to creatives. I love to listen to people that make things and, and bring things out and the process they went through. I love to the, hear their stories. And, and, and he wants, and you know why he does it? He does it for a couple of reasons. The Lord loves for us to love what we do. The Lord loves for us to love the gifts that he's placed in our life. Not more than him, not loving the gift more than the giver, but loving that he loves that he loves us to enjoy the things he's doing in our life, but but also he has a much greater purpose than that. He wants us to use our gift for a much greater purpose. Our song is to be sung so that others can sing. Our song is to to so the Holy Spirit can use us wherever we are to to for people to experience faith, come to Christ, hope, and and love. That's, that's, that's what he wants to do. So, we're going to go back to the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and I want to talk about how, how the Holy Spirit births a song. I want to do a brief summary of where we've been, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're elderly people, right? They're very old, according to Luke. And it's, it's great to see that in the gospel, the first two chapters introduce six people, and four of them are very old. Four of them are very old. Four out of six are very old. Zechariah is a priest, and he has a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the house of the Lord, and while he's there, an angel appears, and not just any angel, but Gabriel, the same one that appeared to Daniel right? That angel appears, and he says to to Zechariah, don't be afraid because God sent me to tell you that the prayer you prayed, but the actual Hebrew says the prayer that you used to pray but you don't pray anymore. In other words, it's like, remember the prayer that you and your wife wanted to pray and you shot the arrow in the air and you thought it didn't stick and and it fell to the ground and it didn't work and all these years, and now you're not praying it because you're too old to pray a prayer that isn't your age category anymore? Well, God heard that prayer, and have a cigar. <laughs> You're going to have a son. Elizabeth in her old age is going to have a baby. And he says, "How are you going to do that?" And Gabriel says, "How? Do you know who I am and where I've come from? This isn't in the this is my translation." And then he says, "Well, It's going to happen, but you're not going to be able to speak at all for nine months starting now because you didn't believe the good news heaven brought your way. But God is so good. Aren't you glad God's given you not just the second chance, but the 3,000th second chance? Anybody wave at me? You, did you come to church? Wave. We wave at church here. So God goes ahead and answers the prayer even though Zechariah doubted. I love a God like that. I need a God like that. And the Holy Spirit is ready at this moment uh, to, to take them on a preparation, nine months, so He can launch the song in the key of their life. And this baby is born, and they're at a dedication service eight days after. Isn't that cool, the timing of this? They're at a dedication service where the baby gets prayed over by the Jewish leaders. And uh, so we're going to see at this moment how the Holy Spirit births a song in each of us. Starting in verse 57, I'm reading from the classic rock version, the rolled away the stone version. Uh, Actually, I'm reading from the NIV. Anyway, verse 57, now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed His great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. Everybody say, ouch. And they were going to call him Zechariah. Aren't you glad you don't remember that, guys? Thank you, Jesus, for not remembering that. Anyway, and they were going to call him Zechariah. They were going to call him Zechariah after his father. And yet his mother responded and said, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who's called by this name. I wonder if they put their hands on their hips when they said that. And they made signs to his father. Probably made a sign to her first went and looked like that as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet. I don't know if it was Apple or whether it was <laughs> which kind of tablet. And he wrote on it, his name is John. And they were all amazed. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began speaking and praise to God. And fear came on all those who lived around them and all these matters were being talked about in the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept on, kept on saying, what then will this child turn out to be? For indeed the hand of the Lord was on them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I really, really need you to, to communicate with us through me, through us, to us, because we're going to talk about things that can be misunderstood and, 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 and we live in a culture where what I'm going to talk about is all over the place, even in the church. And Lord, I don't be an, I'm not an expert on this, but I'm going to share the illumination you've already given me, and I lay it before you. I pray more importantly, Lord, that whatever you say out of me w- will birth hope in people uh, and, and remove disgrace from people, that this gospel will birth a brand new song. You'll launch gifts of grace in and through people. And we're asking you to do this today that will allow you to create that space within us that Jesus made for us into the gateway of grace and the removal of disgrace so we can be elevated up to our place in you, in Jesus' name. Everyone want to see that happen? Say amen. Amen. All right. How does the Holy Spirit birth a song? We're still in the pre-studio prep of the song. Next week, we're going to look at the song that Zechariah sings, filled with the Holy Spirit. But before that, and what we've seen now, what nine months worth of God is working in Zechariah, and God is working in you before a work comes through you. Same with me. And and and, uh, and you know what? God is working in people that don't even know Him before they come to know. Did you? Do you ever look back after you you knew you come to know God and realized, wow, God was working in my life back here, here here right isn't that awesome to know when you track back through um, let's watch what's the master craftsmanship of the holy spirit all about he wants to he wants my soul to sing he's about birthing a song in my soul and yours he's about a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts i believe we all have more than one and I, and, and and he's about wanting us to be able to fully express them in the church family and in the world he's about The family of God believing and singing. He's about our families believing and singing. He's about us being a full expression of the person he's making us to be. And what he's really about, why he wants that all to happen, because he's really about this. He's about wanting to see new people come into a new relationship with Jesus right? That's what it's all about. He wants the hits. I I love the old 60s radio, and the hits just keep on coming. Anybody remember those days? I love that. The hits just keep on coming. How does the Holy Spirit make it fertile for the song of the Lord to be born in us? Number one, the Holy Spirit longs to remove disgrace from our place. Disgrace. Remember when Elizabeth found out that she, uh, God was going to do something that she was going to be, she goes, the Lord has taken my disgrace from me. Meaning she walked in a community where she was defined by barrenness and there was a disgrace in that culture over that and, and the Lord moved it. In verse 57, I love this, when it was time for Elizabeth. I hope it's time for you right now. Well, it was time for Elizabeth. The disgrace was already gone. He removed because he's going to write a song. He's going to write a song in her life. He removes disgrace, and now it's time to have the baby and give birth. Some of us have given up the hope that it's ever going to be our time again. Hmm? Do you ever? We call we don't always, but have you ever have you ever called an, an old person an old timer? You know what? You know what it could mean? I hope, I, hope we, I hope we don't do it. It could mean their best days are behind them. But if you're 60 and up, listen, in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, there are more you than there are the youngs, youngsters. And God's doing more in you and through you than in anybody else. Four out of six are very old, and even though they're old-timers, it's their time. It was Elizabeth's time, Elizabeth's time. Imagine this as your life mission statement. What do you do? I know Aaron works with, with training kids for baseball and all that. I can't wait till my Gram Slam is old enough. And even Juju. We're going to bring Juju up. And I'll get a pastor's discount. I already know that's going to happen because <laughs> Aaron has a heart for that. But I'm just, I don't know. I'll pay full price. Full price because I know. But listen, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait that, that, that Aaron or whoever can do do that. But, but I was thinking about a mission, the real. What's the mission statement for Wheelhouse Factory? Well, you could have it. But wait, imagine this. Imagine this. I want the Lord to use me to take away disgrace in my space and lift people into grace. No matter what you do, what do you do? I clean teeth. Well, where'd you go? But what do you do when you go? Well, listen, I clean teeth. uh, That's that's what I do. But here's here's my mission I, I I want the Lord to use me to take away disgrace in my space and fill it with grace. Come on, somebody, right? No matter what you do. What do you do? I work for a carpet cleaning place. I, we, I work for the people that kill all the bugs that, that are growing in your house. We do, and that, Here's what we do. We get the thing out. Of, but let me tell you what my mission is. When I go to these people's houses, I want, I want to take away disgrace. Come on. And lift people into grace. Verse 58, her neighbors and relatives heard what the Lord had done and showed her great mercy, and they got jealous. No, it doesn't say that. It said they shared her joy. When we take away disgrace from the place and we share the joy of what's going on, you know what? You can just imagine that the angels are warming up their instruments. Gabriel turns on the ham B3. Other angels start turning on the amps and it's about to get lit. Right? The Holy Spirit has a passion to ignite the gifts in us So we start getting all about it. He wants to remove disgrace from the place when he's getting ready to write a song in your life. You can't be creative when you're filled with disgrace. You can't be creative and liberated when you feel like the eye of judgment is all up in your stuff. Numero dos. He lifts us all to the same place. The Gospel of Luke mentions something that Matthew and Mark and John don't, not because they didn't think it was good, but because Luke was coming from another angle and he saw this. He saw that all through Jesus' ministry that he heard from the eyewitnesses and through the ministry of Paul that just continued the ministry of Jesus, he saw that all kinds of people were being touched by grace. And what he noticed predominantly was many women were being touched by grace and elevated to the same place as men. Now, that might not seem a whole lot to you today or me today, but back then, religion, women got to come in and watch it and be a part of it, and there was an expectation on them for a certain thing, but not the stage things and not the spokesman things and all that. Watch this in verse 59. At the baby dedication... On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they, who's they? They is the Jewish male leadership. They were going to name him. In other words, she was in the studio ready to write. And they said, now here's the name of the song. Here's here's the key you're going to do it in. Okay. They... We're going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, come on. No, he is to be called John. You don't do that in that time, especially in Judaism, which they thought was the whole wide world. Of course, if God's going to spread this message to everybody, they got to become Jews first. When you go to into a Samaria, they got to be Jewish or we're not letting them in. When, when you go into Rome, they got to get the kosher diet. You can't have raccoon stew. No. you got, right? And now we're going to look later at how the Lord blew all that up. The Lord blows all that up. Well, that's another whole message. But here… Guys ruled and girls actually had a place where they had to stand or sit in a certain place in the synagogue and the temple. They actually had a place. The court of the women, thank you very much. Here you go. The court of the women, shh, watch the kids while the guys do church. That's the way it was. But something's going on. Isaiah shouts out centuries before, I'm gonna give you a sign. A woman shall encompass a man. What? Something's happening here. You know what's going on here? The Holy Spirit, God, is elevating his girls to God's intended place for them. Elizabeth, she stands up and she says, No, his name is John. I don't think she pulled out a poster and went, or had a sponge on her head. I don't think. Watch this. Stay with me. I'm going to walk on a tightrope now. There are two times that you can guarantee the devil comes to church. When you preach on money, when you preach on marriage. He always shows up. Because there's two biggest strongholds. So, Elizabeth didn't take over the role of the man. The man, her husband, had been silenced by the Lord for not believing what the angel told him. She didn't assume her own position. When they went to the baby dedication, they went into the temple together, didn't they? Together, because that's what the Lord's all about. Zechariah was the person that was given the declaration of what to call the baby, right? Gabriel said to Zechariah, the priest, you shall call him John. But it's really interesting when God can even take something that was wrong... Zechariah, in unbelief, causes himself to come under discipline where he can't speak. And God can use something that you didn't do right to bring about something that expands something in a bigger light. Amen. Everybody say, God is really something. Aren't you glad he's not a Christian? I mean, aren't you glad God is, is beyond that? I mean, really, you understand it, right? He's the I am. That's who he is. So I'll never get past what I just said, but I'm going to keep moving anyway. You have to watch this one 14 times. Two distinct people, two personalities completely unique, one voice. One voice. The bride of Christ should have the same voice as the Messiah, Right? It's a voice that comes from his heart and it's heard by the ear of the bride. Same voice, one flesh. Are we doesn't Paul say that when you join yourself to the Lord you become one flesh with him? Hm? So, the bride of Christ, the church is made up of huge diversity. Raise your hand if you're someone in here and there's someone else in here, and you raise your hand if you go, we are exactly, I mean exactly the same, same DNA. We I mean you might as not have two. I mean, we are the same. No, no one is. No one is. We're all diverse. But the bride should all have one voice in its diverse fashion. If the bride is of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit and the Word incarnate, Jesus, were one, right? I mean, Jesus didn't do things and the Holy Spirit was off doing something else and Jesus said, to, Holy Spirit, come on, back over here, right? No, they were one, right? The Word and the, and, the, and the Spirit are one. The bride, therefore, will say what her husband says, and this is what Elizabeth did, right? Her heart, the bride's heart, is one with the Holy One of Israel. Your maker is your husband, he said. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's called the Shema of Israel. That's the great statement. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the church should manifest the Shema of God in every ministry, in every relationship. Brother to brother, sister to sister, male to female, female to male, should be oneness. The Spirit and the bride say the same thing. So Jesus, in grace, at the time of elizabeth and zechariah brings a woman up to the same place of grace and gives her a voice she had no voice she had no voice but her voice was next to her husband not below not above next just like the bride is next to Jesus. And the bride of Christ, although is next to the Messiah, is under the authority of his voice. Am I right? And so therefore, in grace, let me me just add this. When the soldier pierced Jesus, where did he pierce Jesus? In his side. And blood and water flowed out. The church Flowed out of his heart when the spear went into the rib. The soldier didn't pierce his feet for the bride to come out and under. The church is not under the feet of the Lord. The church is in the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, the feet are over all things. But the bride is next, comes out of his side. And that's the Shema of God. So Jesus lifts everybody and wants us to lift everybody to the same place. Grace is not a license for us to liberate ourselves above the stars of God. That's demonic. There's a demonic spirit in the age we live in over these very issues. I need a voice, I don't have a voice, so I'm going to take your voice, I'm going to trample your voice, I'm going to speak my voice, I, I got my truth, speak your truth baby, speak your truth brother, speak your truth, most truth in the world is a one big lie. Grace is a liberating place to find fulfillment in God's role for my life in your life. Grace is a liberating f- place to find fulfillment in that role. Grace takes us out of limitations within a role. The world says if you assume a role like that, you're going to be bound. Grace doesn't bind anybody except to Jesus. And whoever the sun sets freeze, is... Grace lifts us when we listen to Jesus and levels us when we listen to Jesus. We all get under the voice of the Master and reveal the Shema of God at the sight of the Lord. Under the voice of Jesus, the Holy Spirit helps us fulfill our absolute limitless potential in our roles as women of God and men of God. And if we don't see that and we don't understand that, the only option then is to do the other thing, push, push for power, push for voice. In grace, we don't need to push. The Holy Spirit does it. This baby John didn't come from the power of human push, right? No, she was barren and he was mute. If we want more chaos in the world, have you watched the news lately? Can we take much more? We have to quit pushing. If we want glory, we sing these songs. I love these songs. We should sing them every week. But we can forget all that if we don't obey the voice of Jesus. We can pray to the cows come home like they did up on Mount Carmel. Oh, God, bring a revival. You know what? We don't need a revival service as much as we need to serve the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit's been waiting for a long time. He's not up there. You notice when you see the, the, the Revelation chapter 4 and 5, the Holy Spirit is not up there. You see God the Father and Jesus. You see the lampstands. The Holy Spirit's down here, waiting on somebody. Get under the voice so grace can lift us up. That's what he's saying. Satan says the opposite. He says, Listen, take your role and their role. He wants you to fall from grace. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. You fall from grace and all you have left is push. And Elizabeth saw through that. She said, nine months before, the Lord has taken my disgrace away. No need to push. No need to push. God started something in me that could have never happened, so I'm just going to let him take it all the way through. She and her husband were in complete agreement under heaven's declaration when they went in the temple. Manpower is not the way to elevate people into the grace of God. Masculine mouth or muscle isn't either. I grew up in the 60s and 70s and all in the family was a hit comedy. And Archie Bunker was always trying to put Edith in her place. And even before that, even in cartoons, Fred was all up about Wilma. I'm home, Wilma. What's for dinner? Right? But there's people all through the, through the church world who men want to use a Bible verse of authority because they don't have the character to back it up and in- influence it themselves. Women, throw the Bible verse out there that you know. You got it underlined, telling the husband to be like Jesus. You got that one underlined, Right? Let me tell you where it is if you don't. It's a good one to underline. Put it on your refrigerator. No. <laughs> you want to make sure that it won't work? Throw your Bible verse out there, Adam. Without, without the grace of God manifesting out of your own life. Raise your hand. Anybody? anybody? I'm going to preach down here. I wish say was plexiglass. Someone could get a bullet through here still, right? No. Women' power is not the way to get your heart lo- what what your heart longs for. There's a bait out of the spirit of the age that says, "Hey, you'd be too vulnerable to trust God's grace. You better take up every space." But Jesus comes and tells women, "Hey, come on in this elevator." with me. Get in the elevator. And you say, where are we going? He says, we're going up. I've come to elevate your life. By faith, we have access into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Romans 5. Not above or below, but beside. Just like Eve came from the rib of Adam, the bride comes from the side of the Lord. Not above Jesus, but beside Him, and vice versa. Men and women, women and men, so that God can speak the name on the thing. God's going to name the song. God's going to give the inspiration to write it and the ability to speak out what it's going to unfold and be from generation to generation to generation. God has the final say on on your name. Let's go back to Zechariah in verse 12 of the same chapter. Let's look at it. Zechariah saw the angel, and he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer, which you don't pray anymore, has been heard. You shot that arrow? It's stuck. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. God has the say of the name. Now let's jump back nine months later. They go in the studio into the male heavy Jewish synagogue situation and they say to her, you listen to, they say to her, there is no one among your relatives who's done anything like this before. So therefore you can't do this. We're going to control the soundboard. We'll tell you how big the volume and we're going to put it in this genre. We only produce root music in this genre. We do hillbilly music. Nothing wrong with that, but God wants to write something that goes out beyond. There's no one in your family that has ever done anything like this. You know what? They just blew her off. Verse 62 shows us how they did it. They made signs to the Father. We let her at the baby dedication, but as soon as it's over and we start getting into the Word, she's going back in there with the nursery. They made something to find out what he... Do you see that? You never thought we could find any, verse, any, any sermons in chapter 1 or 2 beyond the, the, the star of Bethlehem, did you? It's all... We're not even... We might be in chapter 3 in the year 2025. Who knows? It'll be good, though. This is where Zechariah could have muscled up and fell in line with the boys' Bible club. And he didn't. You know why he didn't? Because he was too afraid of God. He was too afraid of God to muscle up. God put enough fear in Zechariah after muting him, he's not going to lean on his mouth or his mindset anymore. He's focused on God's work the future potential of the promise that they never thought God was going to actually do. He didn't have time to muscle up. Who cared? When grace comes into the room, who cares who gets to sing? Who cares? Bring it, Lord. Bless the community. My mission is to see Disgrace removed and people come into a place of grace. And so, as long as heaven's perspective has been spoken, Zechariah didn't care if it was him or his wife or who. Just get the people off the soundboard that have no business being on it. Because creativity dies when you relinquish your gift from God to somebody who doesn't need to have their hands on it. So, watch this. He writes on his tablet, and then he goes, his name is John, to their amazement. Because he just elevated his wife to a status Women didn't have that status. They stood behind the robe of their husband. Now, what did Elizabeth do? Elizabeth was in agreement with God. And when when you're in agreement with God, then then you have grace to let God work on your doubting husband. I'll say that over here. I don't know if there's any women on this side. When you're in... You heard it. God is so good. Zechariah for nine months, for nine months, can't speak. He's a preacher. He can't speak. That's hard. He can't speak. But you know what God did? God God shut him up so he could fill him up. When Zechariah's tongue was loosed, and we're going to look at the song, it is power-packed with theological revelation that goes all the way back to the Exodus, to David, and to the Messiah. Man, it's power-packed. Where did he get that? Well, he had a lot of it, but all that stuff was working. Listen, man, he was getting the song during that nine-month time of being under the discipline of the Lord. That's something. The Lord is elevating his, a woman's role, and he's filling the man. How does he write? Let's move to slide number seven. How does he write a song in our life? He fills our space. He removes something, then he fills it. In verse 64, immediately. Now, let me tell you when immediately is. It's a timestamp moment. Luke is all about this. Immediate. He's telling you when when Zechariah's tongue was loosed and his mouth was open. He wants us to know. You know when it was? When Elizabeth spoke heaven's declaration in complete agreement with God at the side of her man. Zechariah was loosed and spoke. Women, you have so much power. But what What kind of power could God release through you if it's bathed in the grace of God? Women of God, in the place of grace, when you're lifted up in the elevator of Jesus to display God's heart, the fruit that comes out of your life can loose all kinds of people. Wives, you are the princess of your home, whether your husband tells you that or not. You're the princess of your home, and your king is Jesus. So regardless of what Zechariah is doing or not doing, and we're going we're gonna to lift Zechariah up here in a minute. Regardless, your king is in your home, and you are to allow him, if anybody's going to push, let it be the king, because you're under his protection. Your husband may or may not think you're a princess, but in the grace of Jesus you are, But here's what you're not. You're not the priest. You're not the leader. You're not the follower. You're not the king. You're not the priest. Your husband is, even if he's not saved. Even if he's not saved. Ay, ay, ay. Even if he's not Holy Ghost filled and doesn't watch Joyce Myers even if he doesn't like any TV preacher. Even if the closest he gets to God is when he comes to church sometimes. But the Lord can work on him. And a lot of it has to do with the way you allow because you have so much power. Women on the earth have more power than the nuclear arsenal of the United States. Women, now tell me, you you don't raise your hand, but tell me you don't know that. You know that. You know it. God made it that way. And the temptation of having so much power, you can blast half the world up. But you have power to empower. His name will be John. And a muted, doubt-filled husband, priest, is filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody listening? Imagine the liberty you could lose with a display of unlimited grace. Because your covering is the king. Oh, if we all would just allow grace in this space, remove our disgrace, and let the Lord take his place. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit's on my life, I just come up with rhymes. (laughs) I wonder if there's a connection... I just wonder, is there a connection of the timestamp when immediately between Elizabeth speaking out what was an agreement with her husband in heaven and Zechariah being filled and prophesying a song that they sang for generations from the first century church through? They had, What we're going to look at next week, the song and the singer, which is John the Baptist, they sang that song for centuries in the first church. That's a hit that just keeps on working. That's not a one hit wonder. That's not uh, some 70s tune like The Night Chicago Died. That was a good one, but they didn't write anyone better than that. Moonlight Feels Right was great, but what'd they do after that? Anybody remember? Raise your hand. But uh, how, about, uh, uh, how about I want to hold your hand. Any other ones come after that? Do you know? Do you know in one month the, f- the top five songs on the top 40 were Beatles songs? Because they went from a DECA record company that said guitar music's on the way out, to EMI guy, George Martin, that said, come on in, fellas, let's see what we can do. It really matters who's in the editing part of your life. Verse 65. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone wanted to hear that record. Everybody wanted to know about the song. What is this child going to be? God's hand's all over this. I want to close with this. Today is the day, the last Sunday 20 years ago, that my dad was here at church. It was a Sunday night, he was kneeling right there, talking to Jesus before the Sunday night church, 62 years old. A couple days later, he was in eternity. Hard for me to preach this weekend. My dad didn't talk a whole lot about his faith, and he definitely wasn't a deep scholar. But he grew over his faith time in greater humility and greater dependence on the Lord. My dad was a driven man. He was a railroader. He worked hard. But he couldn't turn the switch off, and he had high blood pressure, and I think some of that had, the, had, had part of the thing that took him out. But he had incrementally come through a place with the grace of God that he didn't carry those burdens as he did through much of his life. He was learning to walk in the peace of the Lord. And seeing my dad a couple days before he went to heaven, on his knees, talking to Jesus, said a lot about who he was. What my dad did for me and my my sisters was, he got us to church even when he didn't have a deep relationship with Jesus. And my mom had a deeper one. My dad took us to church in the morning, in the night, and when we did Wednesday night church back when the apostles lived. (laughs) My dad got us to places that we needed to be beyond church. He got us to places so we could be kids. He got us to places we could have fun. He got us to places where we would be stretched. He took us to places where we would uh, learn. And Every time you think about that, my dad was there. My mom was a praying mom, and I thank the Lord for her, and that's, that's, that's later in Mother's Day. Somewhere along the way, I'll give her praise for that. I will, I do. But I was thinking about my dad and where he came from and moments that he began to pray in in small groups and, and stuff like that, and I began to think, Lord, how many muted men are there in the church? How many women who have not been elevated to an equal place? We have dads who need to go from getting their kids to church to allowing the Holy Spirit to have full control inside their own life. We have a need for women to not only desire to be empowered, but also to realize the grace of God can empower people through them. When you don't know you have what you have, you go looking for it in all the wrong places. Holy Spirit can fill us so we don't have to go out looking for something that will never fill us or someone that won't. When that happens, God can enhance anything. We name things what they're supposed to be named. We define things in the way they're supposed to be defined. We birth things that would have never been birthed. We express and manifest things that the earth would never experience because we are walking fully in the grace of God, fully, saying the Shema in our church, in our homes, saying the Shema. Everybody I'm with, we're one. We're at the side of the Lord under His voice but everybody gets in the same spot and we're rejoicing with everybody that's coming to new places where disgrace is removed and grace is elevating. I want to close this with a video that talks about how you and I can get on the elevator with the one who can lift all of us up and how There have been people in our life before who had this one quality that this song's going to talk about, that because they did this had a lot to do with why we're still standing where we're standing. So watch this and let it minister to you.